lying old man. By his hand, we'll be lifted up! That's why we have his logo seen on our backs! Breeding stone! Battle fire! No, I am awaiting! You're an old man's battle fighter! Killing everyone and everything! We're not to blame! And who killed the world? Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. Oh, thou art deceived, I would have made it short, for I was come to the whole depth of my tale, and meant indeed to occupy the argument no longer. This is Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 47, which begins with Max pointing out another war party, and it ends with the war rig driving deeper into the canyon. Our guests this week were just telling us something of the interesting history of the palace, the importance it played in the mutiny of 1857. They're Tom Taylor and Pete Mummert of the Indiana Jones Minute. Hello! Hey, how's it going? Thank you for joining us once again. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah. Now, when we last joined our merry band inside the war rig, there was a lot of commotion around the arrival of Nux, who had... Mm -hmm. Participated in a little bit of light choking uh, with yeah. Furiosa. He didn't really get a chance to advance that into heavy choking, thankfully, because that would have really complicated things. She didn't look like she enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't think there was no. consent. No. Nope. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> and for doing that, he was assaulted by the wives and pulled back, although it was all self-defense. Anyway, getting into this minute, Max, who has stumbled upon this calamity is looking at Furiosa, and he looks past her and comments, you got more friends. Something we did not mention on Monday's Minute, this isn't the first time he's learning about the more friends. Mm -hmm. He saw them on Monday when he was filing off his mask. Oh, yeah. Oh, he yeah. was multitasking and looking around <laughs> and saw the third party. Yeah. It was very subtle, and I, I liked it a lot. What I like about this line is that it serves double duty. <laughs> To the listener, void of context, you would think, oh, he's talking about the fact that Nux is now in the war rig alongside everybody else. But looking at the minute proper and following his sight line, he's commenting not about Nux, but about the other war party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. I love the idea that he's talking about Nux and he's being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, made a friend. That's nice. <laughs> it's interesting that Max isn't angrier. Yeah. Upon seeing Nux. <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet that Max thought that he was done with Nux, that he wouldn't have to see him again, that being strapped to the guy was bad enough, and now that he had the chain cut, he was going to leave him behind and not have to look at him again. Yeah. Yeah, now he's sitting right in front of him. It's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he's so restrained. Yeah. How come he gets a seat? I'm hanging <laughs> off the side of this truck. Do you think Max actually recognized Nux, or does he just think that all war boys look alike? That's oh, possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do all have the same painted motif and the mm -hmm. same haircut. I mean, they yeah. go out of their way to look alike. Yeah. <laughs> Although it seems like he probably got some pretty good looks at Nux. That's a good point. He did yeah. carry him through the desert for a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should really look at the face of the person whose arm you're trying to gnaw <laughs> off after your shotgun has misfired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, to really measure the ramifications of your actions, if you're going to gnaw a limb. It's the least you can do. <laughs> hey, do you guys know where bullet farmers are from? 
the bullet farm. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that she says that. She has to say both parts. Hey, it's the bullet farmers. They're coming from the bullet farm. <laughs> I love that she felt the need to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's not the first time that we've heard mention of the bullet farm. We had Ace during the initial chase before the buzzard showed up. He mm -hmm. mentioned they're calling for reinforcements from Gastown and the bullet farm. And I don't think we necessarily needed to be said, oh, hey, it's the bullet farmer from the bullet <laughs> farm. I, I feel like right. they just go together. Yeah. I feel like this is the idea of exposition executed in a really weird way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can understand some, like, I think maybe I didn't even catch him saying that earlier. So it, it, it bears repeating maybe, but not like immediately within the same sentence. Like, I don't know if she has to say the bullet farmer and that he's from the bullet farm because it seems a little <laughs> redundant. In universe, I wonder if Furiosa saw that they were coming and then thought, okay, I need to add something to this. And so she opened her mouth to exposit on what she had just <laughs> said. And then she realized, oh, crap, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Um, uh, they're coming from the bullet farm. I wonder how the bullet crop is doing this year. Uh, I don't know. Furiosa would be excellent at podcasting is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm kind of glad she did say that because they seem to be like they're coming from the other direction, from the opposite direction of the bullet farm. Because it seems like when she turned left, they would have been straight ahead of her. So they would have been coming from the trucks, the other side of the truck. I like how last week we saw the Gastown boys arrive and they approached from the right side of the uh -huh. tanker. And now mm. the Bullet Farm boys are coming from the left side. And so we've got all of these converging war parties from all these directions. And they're all flowing down almost like a funnel or a faucet or drain <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. into yeah. this canyon. How do they know to come? Is that what the signaling lights were for earlier mm -hmm. when they were flashing the mirrors? That's the uh, signaling lights. Also, they shot flares. Remember the yellow oh, and the red yeah, flares? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's bullet farmers come on from the bullet farm. Yeah. And now, I think we, we supposed at the time that they were coded. Yeah, like uh -huh. yellow for the bullet farm because of sulfur and red for oh, gas yeah. town because oh. of gasoline tint. Okay. Like sometimes cool. you see gasoline and it's like kind of pink tinted. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, you're mentioning these colors. I should note that uh, when I watched this again for coming on here, uh, I watched the black and chrome version. Oh, which I've never ooh. seen before. Yeah. We are waiting to watch it till the end of this movie. Oh, OK. okay. Did you enjoy it? It is cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Pete and I were sort of debating this because he hasn't watched it. But, you know, well, I can you can speak for yourself, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I watched I watched maybe five minutes of the black and chrome version. And I think this movie is just so gorgeous with the color. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I just watched it for the first time, too. So I, I hadn't been sitting with me for a couple of years. But <laughs> I, I think it, it's a crime to not watch this in such glorious, wide <laughs> <vista> color. <laughs> I bet if you're watching both on a big screen in the theater, because mm -hmm. I did see this in the theater and in color, obviously. And it was spectacular. But I wonder if like black and white in the theater would be really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. But it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it looked re really great and really cool and kind of, I don't know, black and white does something. It's like you're watching a Vim Vendors movie all of a sudden. Well, I saw that Hateful Eight Roadshow where they showed the, the 35 millimeter black and white thing. Oh, it really? was spectacular. Yeah. Wow. So I can see why. I mean, it would be, it just, this seems like one movie where the color is so spectacular. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. It really is a beautiful movie. Yeah. 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 
I'm very much looking forward to watching the black and chrome edition because it's going to be like when we got to the end of Thunderdome and watched that movie all in one go after mm-hmm. we had watched it chunked out. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to watching the movie all together, but also seeing it from a different angle, really letting the contrast of light and dark pop instead of the different levels of saturation of color. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Do I remember hearing sometime somewhere that there is a version with the dialogue removed? Oh, the wow. music is there, mm. but the dialogue is removed. Huh. That might be something that like someone did on YouTube or something. Oh, yeah, maybe. maybe. Even or if we- someone hasn't done it, it would be pretty easy to do. Just find the soundtrack mm-hmm. and then cut all the sound out of the movie and just lay the soundtrack in its place. Would you yeah. put in title cards like a silent movie? Ooh. Oh. Hmm. Have like that old timey script like they're coming from the bullet farm. <laughs> With like the we fancy scrolly border. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd want to break away from the traditional bottom third subtitles, though. Yeah. I've yeah. gotten so used to reading that way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I would be cool with that if there was someone on a single piano doing all <laughs> yeah. of the soundtracking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slightly out of tune piano. Yeah. <laughs> when we were talking to the kids from Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute... Tyler brought up the old movie, The General, with uh-huh. Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. And that is the exact sort of movie where you'd have the thing playing and then someone on a piano playing the soundtrack. The whole idea of chasing everybody one way and then turning around and chasing everybody back the same way. Uh-huh. But that would just be one more step in his direction as far as that's <laughs> concerned. <laughs> I like that connection with this and The General. Like now I can, That's one of my favorite movies, so I can suddenly... Now, I can't think of this without thinking of the general. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see a lot more gags from Max and the guns and stuff. So with Furiosa calling out that the bullet farmer from the bullet farm is coming (laughs) from the bullet farm to here, (laughs) Nux leans over and says, yeah, it's over. You can't defy him. And the dag from behind Nux is, oh, watch us, mate. And... It's Furiosa who spits at Nux, and then Nux, in retaliation, spits back at Furiosa. Yeah. And all I can think of is, children, can we please stop spitting on each other? I will turn this car around. (laughs) He also seems really hurt. He seems like, hey, you spit at me. Yeah. What's the matter with you? Yeah. All I do is try to choke you with a chain. (laughs) I imagine in the Mad Max world... That moisture is precious. Maybe not as much as on Dune, considering how much water was being wasted a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But it's probably pretty insulting for someone to expel water from their mouth at you. Yeah. Well, you must really hate me. You just wasted all that water. (laughs) Although, to be fair, in a world where moisture is precious, it seems like kind of a bad idea to cover all your pores with powder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, they're dying anyways. (laughs) That's true. What does it make? He's a comic crazy war boy at the end of his half-life. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) What does he mean when he says he's the one who grabbed the sun? So this is something that we heard back during the toxic storm. The idea of being the one who grabbed the sun. And he was talking about himself at the time, but here he's talking about Immortan Joe. And Mm -hmm. when we were discussing it at the time, there was a folklore connection to it right julia there was and i actually had to re-look it up because i couldn't remember what we talked about because <laughs> once i say it on microphone that it's gone from my head so i i looked it up again there is in norse mythology in the 
signs of the times for Ragnarok, the uh-huh. events that need to happen that precipitate it. There's a wolf named Skull, which means one who mocks, that eats the sun. Mm-hmm. And that's part of Ragnarok starting up. So it also brings in this idea of killing the world that Angherid references later on in this minute. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah, this is the second time that he has conjured up that imagery. Yeah. The idea of taking pride in having the power to end the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found that interesting because these are the bad guys. Yeah. Ragnarok mm. is bad and the people <laughs> who bring it on are bad. So yeah, he takes pride in that. Yeah. He's sitting in a situation where it's five on one as far as Immortan Joe is a good guy versus Immortan Joe is, for instance, a lying old man. <laughs> <laughs> right. It sort of gets back to that uh, childishness of his. Like, you know, he's, of course, awed and and amazed at, like, this powerful guy. It doesn't matter if it's, like, an evil power. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's so powerful. You know, I'll yeah. follow him anywhere. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No matter what he does, it's great. It feels like this is the first time that the wives have had an opportunity to fight for their point of view. Mm -hmm. And they're going at it pretty hard (laughs) to this war boy who is battle fodder and who they're trying to get rid of. They're arguing with him about their point of view. Yeah. It's futile, Mm -hmm. but they are going at it wholeheartedly. This might Uh be the first time they've ever had anybody... You know, associated with a Morton Joe, who they could just do this to, who they could yeah, just yell yeah, at so. and like vent all the stuff that they've had built, you know, pent <laughs> yeah. up for all these years. Yeah, I imagine that back at the harem, they would talk to Miss Giddy about their situation and be very angry about it, and Miss Giddy would be all on their side. She'd be like, "Girls, girls, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if they speak out against Man. Joe. Obviously, he's going to beat him up because he's a monster. Yeah. So when you've been silenced for so long and you finally have the chance to speak your mind Mm -hmm. and not be immediately stamped down, of course, they're going to jump all over this. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. makes sense. I kind of feel for them uh, to the point where like she, you know, she's she's screaming at him and she shoves him back and the door opens behind him. And she doesn't even notice. Like, mm. it, it feels like, I mean, yeah, ultimately they chuck him out the car, but it doesn't even seem like that's her intention of, like, using him to open the door while she's yelling at him. It's just like, I'm shoving you right now. Oh, look, the door opened. Who cares? I'm still yelling at you. I got <laughs> yeah. stuff for you to hear. Yeah. And if you end up falling out of the car, that's just a bonus. And Capable kind of blames him for everything. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like it's all built up and kind of killing everyone and everything. Nux is certainly symbolic for them of the whole thing yeah, of Joe, yeah. of this cult, of all the war boys. That's a heavy burden to put on Nux. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like he has a point when he says he's not to blame. Or I, I don't know if he has a point when he says we're not to blame. But when he says, if he's saying he's not to blame, I kind of think he has a point. I mean, he was too young to have been the guy, the cause of the, you know, what, what they're all suffering through right now. I found that line a little bit odd. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Not really sure where it came from. We're not to blame for what? Yeah, it's not really a response to anything that was just said. The line before it is killing everyone and everything. Yeah. But they're war boys. That's what they do. So (laughs) they are to blame. Yeah. His response should be, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I do. I'm a war boy. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to believe that he understands that they are talking about higher concepts about you know the worth of human beings and freedom mm-hmm. is what they're yeah. really talking about. Yeah, and he kind of seems to understand that. Yeah, which is really interesting. It's cool that he like with all yeah everything they're spitting at him right now. He's sort of getting like oh they're blaming not not literally blaming me but they're you know they're angry at people like me for the state of the world mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. puts that together and you wouldn't really expect that from him necessarily so it's kind of like a a neat quick insight into him yeah he's really digging his heels in they're talking about how joe has fooled the war boys and that he's a lying old man and nux is sticking to his rhetoric saying things like by his hand will be lifted up and they're like no you're just battle fodder and he's like no i'm awaited in valhalla mm-hmm uh-huh. I'm more important than you're making it sound like I am. And they're like, no, that's just a pipe dream that <laughs> yeah. you've been fed. Yeah. That's your girlfriend in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happens that the pipe dream that Joe's been feeding them are coming from three giant pipes in the side of the Citadel. It just works on multiple <laughs> yeah. levels. It does. Yeah. Nux is, I think, ultimately incredibly precocious because he like to be raised from birth in this like extremely persuasive cult and to be able to transform himself i think is pretty extraordinary Mm -hmm. like i think the fact that he's listening like he's he's arguing back but at the same time you can tell he's listening here and i think that's something really fascinating about him yeah he's making connections besides just being yelled at and yelling back at them yeah yeah like he's he's even thinking about some of this stuff anyway yeah I'm willing to bet that he's never seriously thought about it in this way before uh-huh. because no one's ever challenged him on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's only he, been surrounded by guys who think exactly the same way he does. Exactly. Yeah. And he got his ideas from those guys. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, there's not a lot of room or need for debate at any time. <laughs> and he may have known about the wives, known of their existence, but did he really understand what they were and how they were being treated. Yeah. Probably uh-huh. not. And even if he did, I mean, growing up that way, it may have just seemed normal and fine. Like if, if, if everyone was, was acting as though it was normal and fine, which they kind of were, that's just his reality. He's like, oh, this is what Joe does. He's got these wives. This is how he treats them. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how the world works. Okay. Mm-hmm. This might be a good time to bring up something I haven't mentioned before. In the Mad Max prequel comic, they outline Nux's backstory. Oh, wow. Nux was born out in the wasteland, and his mother brought him to the Citadel, and she wanted to bring him to the Great Elevator so that he could be a war boy, but she was so sickly that she wasn't able to get him there, and so Nux just kind of toddled his way over to the elevator, and he Mm. grabbed onto the edge of it as it was lifting up. And usually the guards on the elevator will knock people off, But because there was this toddler hanging to the side of the elevator, they let him hang there. And so the entire ride up, the entire height of the elevator, Nux was just hanging there with this goofy little toddler look on his face. And (laughs) just before the elevator got to the floor, which would have like cut his tiny toddler hand off, the guards grabbed him and picked him up. Wow. So he had that tenacity from essentially birth. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he was the perfect 
style of kid to be brought into the cult. Yeah. Yeah. As a war pup. As a war pup. I just like that word. It's cute. <laughs> it's adorable. Who's a good I know war its pup? connotations are horrific. It's just <laughs> right, a cute yeah. word. <laughs> you say war pup and it just gives you visions of like tiny puppies wearing little camo helmets and tiny little dog jackets. <laughs> tiny little dog tags. Yep. Tiny hey. little squeak toy M16s. Oh. <laughs> They're just chewing on. <laughs> so I'm watching this interaction between Nux and the wives. And when Nux shouts out, we're not to blame, which we mentioned a little bit a while ago. Mm-hmm. And then Ang Herod fires back with then who killed the world and pushes him out. I kind of feel like that's a indictment of like whiny internet guys who mm. have lived in their little echo chambers like yeah. oh the marvel movies are supposed to be this way and you can't change them at all <laughs> right. <laughs> women are supposed to have this role on the planet earth and you're acting all weird about it now yeah <laughs> i don't understand this and when i encounter people like that i kind of wish i could push them out of a truck like this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But from farther than he falls, because it's, it is a weird, it's almost a cheat a little bit. When he, when you see from the point of view of inside the cab and he's falling, it looks like a much farther fall mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. it ends up being. Like in the next shot, you see it's like, oh, he's just hitting this bank of sand it's very right there. soft sand bank. Yeah. 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 I love that change in perception mm-hmm. from inside. It's very uh, dreamlike the way he falls. Yeah, he does a flip. He does like a complete flip. Yeah. Yeah. And especially the visuals of the bit of scarf that he's holding on to yeah. still. Yeah. 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 It might have something to do with their, I mean, they don't want to kill him, but they're shoving him out of a moving car or truck. And so maybe from their point of view, oh my gosh, that guy's falling really far. Right. I hope we didn't right. kill him. Soft Sand has done a lot for this series of movies. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. nothing you can't solve. You could argue that Max would not have gotten beyond beyond Thunderdome if there hadn't been soft sand for him to fall into <laughs> at the beginning of the movie and at the end when he jumped <laughs> off of the truck before it hit Iron Bar. Yeah. There are multiple times in this movie where soft sand has broken his fall. So thank goodness for soft sand, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess so, but... Speaking of Thunderdome, there are two times off the top of my head where sand was also the problem. The quicksand and then the pile of sand at the end of the train tracks. All right. Well, sand giveth and sand taketh away. (laughs) Sand cannot be all things to all people. (laughs) All things in moderation. Unless you're a fan of glass, in which case you can pretty much make sand into whatever you want as long as you... (laughs) glass it correctly i don't know i don't know what the phrasing is yeah glass it correctly (laughs) i don't know keep it glassy (laughs) so roundabout second 27 we cut back from all the commotion in the backseat to join max in the front and he is got this look on his face that i absolutely love yeah it's as if he's saying what the heck have i gotten myself into (laughs) yeah yeah. And for him to have that look, I mean, he must have that look every Thursday or something. 
like everything he's been through. Yeah, you know? he's seen some crazy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be almost sitting there just reading a paperback while this is all going on. I feel uh, like yeah. it goes back to the beginning of this movie where he's like, it was hard to know who was more crazy, me or everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I think he decided it's everyone else. It's everyone in this truck. <laughs> Pete, I'm sure you've been in situations riding public transit where you're just sitting there minding your own business and then other <laughs> oh, people yeah. in another part that, of the truck or whatever. That look very, very well. <laughs> I actually try to disguise it a little more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just common decency. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If Max had a newspaper, he would be hiding behind it right yes. now, yes. trying not to engage. Yeah. <laughs> The last thing that he would want is for one of the wives to turn around and say, we're right, right? And <laughs> yeah, we're in on this. And he'd be like, no, don't get me involved in this. I, I want no part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag no politics. Yeah. I'll be in my den. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned when Nux was falling out that he's got that scarf And that scarf is left over from when they were shouting on Monday, tie him up. Mm. And mm, I don't know if it's an indictment of the wives not tying abilities that as soon as Nux is left behind, he's instantly untied. Like, I don't know if there were any books in that harem that discussed (laughs) the finer points of not tying. If there was, they definitely didn't read it. They didn't earn that I think they got distracted by arguing their philosophical point. Hmm. Oh, maybe. I think they stopped trying to tie yeah. him up and just started arguing with him. Yeah. And that became more important to them. Which is honestly fine because they defeated him. Yeah. 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 That was his plan all along. He really wasn't going to do any more damage. <laughs> Pinned down the way he was. Now, with Nux left behind like this, he has the war rig disappearing behind him and he pops right up and he starts running towards the war party and i can only guess that he's doing that because he realizes that the war rig is at speed so he'll Mm -hmm. never catch it and it's Uh a lot easier to run towards something coming your way than vice versa makes sense and he's also gained intelligence that's true yeah he knows exactly who is in the cab what condition they're in that they're all okay and safe he now knows that Max is working with them. That's information that needs to be relayed back to Joe. Hmm. I have to say, though, as, as a middle-aged man, like imagining popping up like that out of the sand and immediately <laughs> taking off running just seems like, nope. <laughs> I yeah. would just lie there for a good 10, 15 minutes. With just one boot. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of just sitting there in the sand and recovering for a little bit just sounds so appetizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know the sand is nice and soft. And the fleet will Enjoy. catch up to him. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have yeah. to run towards them. Yeah, he's not going to save a lot of time. No. <laughs> Just imagine <laughs> Nux lying there on the ground like Loki in the Avengers movie after he's been <laughs> smashed by Hulk. Just like, uh. <laughs> Yeah. And after everything he's been through today, seriously, man, take a break. Yeah. 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 You've earned it. When the war party shows up, hey, where were you? What took you so long? tuck away your paper under your arm hop on board so as we leave nux to do his little run thing he's first of all waving that scarf way too early there's no way they can possibly (laughs) see that but we follow the rig further into the canyon and 
at the very tail end of this minute, like the last two, three seconds, Furiosa starts talking about a deal. Now, we're at the end of the minute. I don't want to get into the deal just yet, but we are definitely going to talk about it on Friday. So be sure to come back for that because Furiosa is going to explain how she intends to get the war parties off their trail. The wives are going to retreat into their hiding spot, and Max is going to climb into a hole and stay close, but also out of sight. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 47 of Fury Road. See you next time. <laughs>